Welcome to AI Nerd, AI with Attitude. Today, I am joined by Kristen Taylor. Kristen, how are you? I am doing well, thank you, Thomas. How are you? I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm gonna be careful what I say to you. You're one of those really insightful, I don't wanna call it wrong, coach, life coach, mentor, thinker. You, you can All the above. Up. You're right, yeah, all the above. <laughs> I call myself an executive coach or a life coach. Um, yeah, it's about uh, health and healing and there's so many cliches, you know, sometimes I shy away from the terms, but helping people to emotionally regulate, feel more calm, present, and connected to purpose. I appreciate that. Um, and we're going to get into that because, you know, I, as, as we've talked and, and we'll catch up here with this is I get solicited a number of times, uh, especially since COVID hit from, uh, I mean, it's unbelievable how many life coaches are out there and how little experience they have in life, a lot of them to, to be out there. And I don't mean it mean because I know people are trying to make their way and do this. Um, but you and I connected. Uh, I, and I honestly, I don't remember what you're quite your, your, I don't think it was even a pitch is probably why I connected. And it was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's different than every other life coach that's come across. And then as we talked one time, we determined I'm absolutely not your client. <laughs> but I think I said that to you, right? <laughs> you're like, absolutely not my client. A little tongue in cheek. Yeah. It, but at the same time, you have a different approach. And I wanted to talk about that uh, today. As, as people you know, this is an AI nerd, this must be about technology, but sometimes it's about how do you execute just your life to, to, to business and others. So maybe give a, just, you know, give me the flyby, not even the 50,000 foot, dive in a little bit of like how long you've been doing this and who you are and, and, and why it would matter and what you're providing to everyone out there. Okay, wonderful. So um, I started my career in 1997 as a mental health therapist and I was trained in what is called narrative therapy. So it's understanding the language we use and the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and what is possible. So that, I won't get into a lot of that. Um, but then I transitioned um, in 2007 into coaching. So I've been doing this for quite a while. And what I really focus on with people, particularly people who are living and who is not, um, but executives who have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I teach them emotional, oh, and I have a dog that snores. And I teach them emotional regulation. So um, it's informed by neuroscience, really understanding, um, at least at a surface level, what's happening in terms of our mind and our bodies when we're sort of hijacked in fear or stress or overwhelm. And it intersects with psychology and mindfulness to help people cultivate the ability to be calm, present, be able to think well, to be able to execute well. And really, I feel like, Thomas, my biggest mission in life is to help people um, minimize their emotional suffering. A lot of people are suffering. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, it's been quite a shift I, for so many people. I mean, my, myself included, obviously, with, with the COVID and all the things, and not to be too topical on COVID, but there's really no sight and an end in sight with this. Because even if we get to the point where there's vaccines, then, but the world's changed. They're still going to approach it. No one's going to trust it for a long time. And people have, I mean, the stress levels people are under right now is it's clear and obvious. Just go shopping someday and get too close to somebody and watch them freak out. Right. So, mm -hmm. so I think that the, your approach is, is, is probably always been the right way of dealing with the emotional piece of it. Cause then you can think clear. Tell me maybe about just, Give me the high level of the method and, and how you engage a client or how they should engage you or, or somebody who has emotional you know, trauma or stress. Like, 
walk me through just how do you start? How do I start? Right. So I just want to understand, and this is the biggest question, and I don't think people hear this or, or ask them. I'd say, what does it feel like to be you? What does it feel like to be you? And typically people will come to me because they see that I work with people who are having a hard time managing their anxiety, their self-doubt. Sometimes it's for what's called imposter syndrome, which is the sense that I don't know how I got here into this place where I'm successful. I've cut the role that many people would want. But on the inside, I feel like at any moment, I'm going to be seen for someone who doesn't know what they're doing or doesn't know what they're doing enough sense of like, I have to always be on and perfect because if I drop the ball, this will all disappear because I'm not quite as good as I appear to be. And that's always sort of ruling what's happening. That's interesting. I'd love for you to expand that because uh, I've, I've met another people, a number of people in my life who are very successful and they describe that as in their, especially in their first few executive roles, yes. they're making it up as they go. Right. <laughs> and they're, they know just more than the people that hire them or the people mm-hmm. that hire them know that they know more than the ones they're leading it's somewhere in between. And there, that's enormous. Is that pressure real or is it, that's truly what it means to be an executive or, or just somebody in a new leadership position? It could be at any level. It could be a director or VP, whatever. Is it, is that normal? Well, number one, it's normal in the sense of uh, they are not alone. It's such a pervasive experience. People want to do well. And, you know, there's this whole motto, like, fake it till you make it. And so in as much as that's helpful, it's also creating like this duplicity of like, this is what I show. This is what I feel. And they're worlds apart. So I always have to feel like I'm kind of an imposter. I can't fully be as present as I would like to be, because what if I let that, that facade slip? I love like the work of Brene Brown, who is, teaches us the importance of vulnerability to be able to say, I don't know, but I will figure it out. So there's a difference. There's the, like when I talk with people, they feel like they're kind of doing this like tap dance in front of people. Like I got to look the part. They hired me. I've got to look the part. And I talk about, and I have a friend, Tanya Lynn Wildhaber. She's also an excellent coach. She talks about it being the practice of courage that you're like, I don't fully know how to do something yet, but I have the belief that even stepping out of my comfort zone, I will find my way. That's courage. Confidence is like, I already totally know how to do this. And let me show you. Do you see the difference? I do. And I, if I could learn how to work my mute button, I had a, a point to make with your, it's of your, uh, <laughs> thank you. For, is that I don't know and I'll figure it out works. I think with an executive in business, maybe, but it, we're, but if I take an analogy, like if someone comes over and babysits and they tell you this, <laughs> or it's somebody driving the bus or, right. It depends. Or, exactly. You know, there's a number of other, yeah, right. Um, Hey, I'm your pilot today. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. But I'll so, figure it out. Yeah. You don't want them to be practicing courage with something where you have to have full mastery of a skill set. But if it's like, you know, I know that I'm great with working with people and leading teams to execute or creating a vision, like there's so much, especially with startups, you know, like we don't quite know how to do it until we do it, but I know I have the ingredients and I know I have the work ethic, right? That's or I know I can cultivate it. That's the practice of courage. But where people get into trouble 
is, I'm going to give you a teeny little bit of, of neuroscience. So there is in our brain a part called the amygdala. Have you ever heard of the amygdala? I have not, um, but I'm completely an uneducated person who makes up everything as I go along. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> anyway, the amygdala is like that um, lizard part of our brain. It's one of the most primitive parts of our brain. It's the emotion center. It's the fight, flight, or freeze, right? Okay. So great. If uh, you know you are living in caveman times and a saber-toothed tiger is coming at you, like thank God you've got the amygdala so you can fight or flight. Wait. Right. But in our modern world, there's not necessarily a life or death threat, but it feels that way. Our brain doesn't know the difference. And it's like our amygdala is lit up and the button is jammed. And so when you're caught in your amygdala, it's the emotion, it's the primitive. You're not able to access the, like the prefrontal cortex where you have, you know, Cognitive flexibility, it's that executive functioning where you can be creative and resourceful and you can pause when you breathe and you can think through things. The amygdala is like, the house is on fire. But the button gets jammed, right? And so when there's chronic jamming of that amygdala button and people are in a cycle of self-doubt, what could go wrong next and what if people see that I'm really scared, that's where emotional suffering happens. I could go on and on and on. I thought it would be free consulting. I think people should start paying for it at this point. I think. <laughs> well, so, so there no, are two Please go on, okay? elaborate on it because I think understanding, you know, you, you couldn't, you, this is a, it's a process for sure. This is not a one time. If you think it's a one time conversation, you're done, then you're, you're really probably fooling yourself really horribly. Um, but no, please get into maybe like the uh, strategies of it. Like the, how, you know, there's different personalities. So I'm wired differently than you, than someone's wired from somebody else. So you can't have a one size fits all approach, I would think. It's not a one size fits all approach. If it were, then just read a book and you're good to go. The actual relationship and having someone facilitate you through a process, understanding your own relationship to some of these dynamics that are happening neurobiologically, as well as the stories that you're telling yourself. And as I teach people emotional regulation, I personalize it. I have a a structure and an approach, but it's very much personalized to their circumstances, their personality. Sometimes it's even brings in like the transcendent. Do they have a spiritual relationship? Do they not? It doesn't matter to me. It just helps me know how to guide a process for them. What we're talking about is self-nurturing, self-compassion as well, when we're talking about emotional regulation. And so, right, it's not like one and done. It is a practice. So whenever I start to work with someone, I say, um, have you had enough? Have you had enough of this kind of suffering? Are you ready to find a path forward where you can experience greater emotional freedom and liberation and to literally be in your right brain? And maybe even, I say this maybe even, it's definitely when you learn to emotionally regulate and calm down, you're not experiencing the threat to your health. Stress is one of the most threatening factors to our longevity and health in the modern age. It leads to inflammation, high blood pressure, heart disease, autoimmune diseases. People are living with this amygdala hijack for extended periods of time, and it's hell. And there is a different route forward. And so I talk about it as a practice. So let me explain two things that, that typically most of us do in relationship to 
feelings of fear or self-doubt or dread or overwhelm. I mean, I can name so many emotions that are uncomfortable, even procrastination, right? So number one, we experience something uncomfortable like a feeling because at best feelings are uncomfortable often and sometimes they're painful. We flee them. There's this reaction of aversion, like this is not good, I don't wanna feel this. So you distract, you numb out, you try to tune out. I have more clients that say, tell me, teach me how not to feel this. Teach me how not to feel this. And so I say, well, it's going to be very counterintuitive because in order to not feel this, you need to turn towards it. It's like well, a olfactory overload. Like you need to smell <laughs> so much, you stop smelling it. Well, so, well it's like the, the button gets jammed again. But let me ask, so is there, so like, becomes, there's, like there's good debt, right? Apparently there's mortgages are good debt. Is there good stress? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I mean, otherwise I'm moving, I'm checking out, I'm going to Costa Rica and that's it. That's no, stress is super important. It's just the buttons jammed. I, I know I keep saying that, but stress helps us. Like if you're going to give a presentation, you want a little bit of stress. You want a little bit of energy. You want to be engaged. You want your sympathetic nervous system to be upregulated a little bit so that you could just be lively. You don't want it to be like at the end of the day, you're watching Netflix and someone's like, okay, you need to give a presentation. You're like, so, you know, that's not the energy you want to bring. Good stress is important. Absolutely. Um, But it's gone overboard. So number one, we flee our feelings. We're constantly in the habit of, I don't want to feel. And if you're not feeling the uncomfortable feelings, you're also shutting off the channels to the good feelings. I just want you to know, I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable thinking how much I actually don't like to feel. <laughs> you're just talking about it. I don't want to talk about that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, but I, I understand that personally. I struggle with that. I, uh, I use humor to deflect. I, use, I know all these things, right? And I knew, I, but when you recognize yourself doing it, you see it in others. And there's, there's some people get pissy. Some people fight. Some people yell, scream. I try to make out, numb out, humor. So many ways. And some of that's okay. I mean, that's like, you could be pathologized. Like, well, that's a defense mechanism. Or sometimes it's like, you know, that's how I get through my day. But if it takes over, then you're limiting access to all emotions and connection with other people and yourself. So that's one is this aversion of feelings. And I really do appreciate you saying, yeah, I, I feel that. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started a whole YouTube channel because I feel this way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's well. true. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, we'll think about that subversion of, of things you like <laughs> to do. Right. And so there's the opposite is the absence of something that was the good stress for me. Yeah. I used to meet a lot of people traveling and seeing clients and doing stuff. And that was, that's gone in an instant. And, and so I've transitioned myself to say, well, I've always worked from home, but now I don't, I'm home all the time. And that's a transition and lots of people have gone through that and that's creates a whole different level of stress and maybe empathy for the other half for somebody else who's been home more than you not had that break and all those things and so I get that and then you know that that stress by itself identifies where you can and can't communicate in what ways and it in in this where I think what you how you're approaching it is so relevant today uh in addition to your first point and I'll definitely be quiet and let you keep going because it's way more interesting, but I can relate to this. And this is why I, I wanted to put this out there it is a though topical. It's timeless. Cause I think maybe this just put a spotlight on something that was always there 
and now the button's getting pushed by a whole set of forces that you have zero chance to run from. So please continue. Right. That'll be quite. I appreciate you saying that. I think that's really important to pause and to really be human about this and say, yeah, I can relate to this. And you're absolutely right with all that's going on in the world in terms of the virus and socially and politically. It's just, you know, it's like we're in this collective amygdala hijack. And where do we turn? How do we numb out? And people's ability to be emotionally resilient um, is really being tested right now. How much are you able to be with your feelings and get to the other side? And so that's what I teach people how to do. And so the other part of this, I said, number one is this very, very normal. I have such compassion for it and I experience it myself. Like when feelings are uncomfortable, I don't want to feel them either. But I teach people how to do it in a way that it's not scary and not threatening. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy. You sign up to feel other people's. I barely want to feel my own. So maybe it's easier <laughs> that way. Well, everything I'm telling you, I have to practice. Like it takes a ton of humility to do this work. A ton, you know, because here I am saying I have a way forward. I am human. I experience anguish and despair and overwhelm and stress and everything that I teach. I'm like, yeah, I've been there. And that, and you're talking about like uh, choosing a coach. Someone who has the self-awareness and the humility to say, I've walked this road. I know the bumps. I have stumbled. That, that to me is really important. So number one is the aversion. Number two is um, <clears throat> the over-identification with feelings. Like let's say you feel anxious. Let's say you feel anxious as an executive and you're leading a team or you're giving a presentation or in some way you are spotlighted and you are feeling anxiety. Well, instead of just seeing like anxiety is just a feeling, it's just an energetic state that moves through me. People identify with it. It's who I am. And then they create stories, unexamined stories that say, oh crap, I'm anxious. Means something wrong. Something is wrong with me. I'm broken. And it becomes a part of a pervasive personal narrative that is broken or flawed or wounded, or in some way it's like, I don't want to don't want other people to see this in me. So it amplifies this imposter syndrome. Like in this setting, I don't want people to know how anxious I am. So I'm going to pretend that I'm not either through humor or through knowing everything and more, having the best work ethic, working harder and longer than anyone ever could or ever should, because this anxiety is somehow a cue that I'm not enough. And so that too, avoiding our feelings and over-identifying with our feelings magnifies this problem of heightened anxiety and this amygdala hijack. And so I work with people not only with the stories, but I lead them through routes of how do we soften and dissolve feelings so they're just what we experience, they are not who we are, so that we can get out of the amygdala and into the prefrontal cortex. And I know it sounds very confusing. Perhaps, I don't know if it sounds confusing, but I'm using a lot of words right now. It's simple in many ways, this practice. I teach people breathing exercises. Understand I'm not breathing right. I've been holding my breath the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me do that. Woo. Breathe. Um, but no, very deliberate breathing exercises to really understand the autonomic nervous system. We've got branches. We have the sympathetic and we have the parasympathetic. The sympathetic is like upregulating. Like if you're going to run a marathon or like, I just did this, I, this, I don't run a marathon like this. If you're going to go into the boxing ring, you want the sympathetic nervous system, which is like 
elevating your heart rate and your blood pressure and you know the arousal state you you want that but if you are about to give a presentation or lead a group or think through a process thoughtfully you don't want to be in a hyper aroused state I mean, a little bit for that, I just said a lead presentation, but you don't want to be hijacked is what I'm saying. You want to be able to have self-leadership in that moment. You want to be able to down-regulate, like pumping the brakes, to lower your heart rate, to lower your blood pressure so that you can be more present. And breathing helps to do that. When we inhale, our heart rate goes up. When we exhale, our heart rate goes down. So there are very strategic breathing techniques that help down regulate, that help calm you down. And it's almost like a dimmer switch on your amygdala. Helps to just turn that light down a little bit so that you can access all of your mind, not just your amygdala. Does that make sense? What it am I does. I, I usually use my apathetic, apathetic nervous system. I just stop caring. And that helps me. But a friend of mine. It's effective, isn't it? Here's, <laughs> here's my friend of mine's approach to people. He says, just lower the bar really low on your exp. I mean, like if you're normally, most people are here and you want to be here, just lower it below screen right there. Mm -hmm. And then everyone, everyone's winning. Everyone gets everyone's winning. Is that, yeah. a, is that a real method that could work that your expectations maybe for whatever reasons, your own internalization? are just too high for how you expect people to behave. Is that a valid method for reducing your stress? Because people cause the stress. So that's my question is if you just lower the bar of what you expect from them. So it's interesting. I actually have this conversation a lot. So I could go really, really deep with you here. So I have this conversation a lot. So number one, I think sometimes um, people have super high unreasonable expectations of themselves. And it's not that expectations too high of expectations are a bad thing. Like, Having ambition is, is really important, especially when people are trying to achieve um, goals that are really meaningful and you've got other people's careers and lives on the line. Yeah, have high expectations, but know that we are all fallible. And it's when, not if, you must make a mistake. How do you recover? That's the question. How do you recover and how do you model that recovering? And that's where it's the, the self-compassion piece, which people, people really struggle with. People really struggle with. Um, and then it's also, you know, expectations of other, other people. But you know what? I'm not going to go down this way because it's, it's going to take us in a, in a different direction. And that's fair because I think if you look at a failure as a failure as opposed to just that wasn't the right way to do it, I learned something. Um, that's the fundamental difference, right? It's the, the whole light bulb, Thomas Edison, 400 ways not to make a light bulb. So I found the one I did and all the ones don't matter. Hey, good morning, sunshine back there, that little doggy. If this one is yeah. next podcast, that dog's not going to be on the podcast, but we heard you. Apparently, we've got that dog stimulated. That is a cute dog. I am not a dog owner. He's really cute, right? He needs out, so so bear with me here. And just yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is staying in the video, by the way. This is not getting edited. Not a chance. And he's such a little uh, wimp. It's a really low bed. It's too scary to jump off himself. He needs to be picked up. And in a moment... He will want right back in. Totally fine. Totally good. Can you open the door handle? Because that if he comes back with like a coffee, mid-afternoon coffee, that <laughs> then, would you'd, be... then you'd finally get a dog and deal with just picking up the poop. Yeah. Uh, well, that's right. Pick it up in the park. Right. I've Do you know that now, now since you told me that, every single time I take a, pick up my dog's poop, I think of you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. 
It's the association. People's poop makes you think of me. Yeah. So expectations of yourself, expectations of others is, it causes stress. And I think it'd be, um, you can, you know, the 90%, you can control what is it? 90% of what you feel, but 10%, you know, you have no control over what others are doing. Very little influence, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, unless you can influence them to feel about how they feel and then they won't annoy you as much. Or So having the expectations think correct is really important because mm-hmm. I always say I put people in boxes, right? And, or and maybe I compartmentalize is a better word of, of, I just look at certain people, friends, family, and I have just, if you think of a box, I think of an expectation I have of what they're going to do. They, they have a boundary of what I would think they'll always act in. And occasionally someone will look, come out of that. I'll be like, I didn't expect them to do that positive or negative and their box will they'll move into a new kind of category. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it from more of a persona, there's a handful of people that I know that are in some type of persona. It's not right or wrong. It just allows me to deal with their, my expectations from that persona, that group, that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a valid method. Maybe you could talk about if that's a way to handle stress or if this is ties to how you deal with your emotions of understanding where it fits in your life. Is I guess where I'm going with that? Or is that yeah. a completely different method? Cause I just know per, if I'm trying to relate to, you know, to how you are thinking about it, I still don't know what to go do with the emotion. Once you like, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. That's what so, I want to talk about. So what so, you're talking about, yeah, please. So please make me, so uh, let me take a pause so I can, I'll transition that. Maybe you can explain then how, how, how do you, where does the emotion go? How do you, how do you compartmentalize it? Or how do you deal with it once you've recognized it? Okay. That's a great question. Um, that's the like million dollar question. So because we, wait, is this going to cost me a million dollars? Cause I don't want you to answer it if I have. <laughs> yeah. 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 You'll send you a little PayPal invoice for this. Sorry, you cut out there. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> So, um, what do you do with the emotion? Most of us have been raised to move away from emotion. It's really uncomfortable. I just had a client and I just love what she said. She said, you know, I had the note in front of me. I said, you know, based on our last session, what, what was your big takeaway that really made a difference in the last week? And she said, when emotion came up, instead of pushing it away, I tuned in. And so, I'm going to, now the dog walks back in. I'm so sorry. We, we can start it over after that too. So no, no. that's okay. So here, let me, let me do this for you. You're going to, are you not going to hurt her? Are you off camera? I'm not going to hurt him. No, I'm not going <laughs> to hurt him off camera. Um, so let me ask the question again. So yeah. do that. I know how to cut it. Uh, you know, the emotion comes up. You, you, you want to, you want to recognize it's there. You feel it, you see it. You don't want to run from it. What do you do with it? Like, how do I take an emotion and pass it through my will and, and process it and and not let it make me want to throw a chair through a wall or giggle laughing or start a whole new business or whatever the emotion is. (laughs) Like, how do I deal with it and let it go and then normalize it into some type of constructive or the right, like a better balanced emotion or more, you know, equilibrium. Right. Right. Um, so let me walk you through that. And it depends on if it's happening in the moment or if it's upon reflection, because there are times where what I'm going to teach you, you don't have the luxury of time to deal with it in that moment. So it might be something you do upon reflection. So this is where breathing matters. If you're really hijacked, it depends on what the emotion is. And what I'm going to be teaching you 
this is why working with the coach is so important because I help you to gauge your window of emotional tolerance. So if it's a really heavy emotion, we're not going to go right in because it could just amplify the hijack and the feeling of being out of control and overwhelmed and amplify fear. So it's kind of like the Goldilocks. Like you don't want it to be too much. You don't want it to be too little. You want to find the spot that's just right. And I help people to find that spot. So you have to break into someone's home though. <laughs> that part we don't. No, we don't need the to. Metaphoric do. bear, which I think is your emotion in this. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of metaphor going on here, definitely. But let's say it's upon reflection. Let's say you were at work or in a relationship and something really triggered you. And maybe it was fear or anger. Then upon reflection, I will teach someone a very quick breathing exercise just to make sure that we are just getting people a little bit more calm, a little bit more in their body, right? And what I tell them is just give the feeling a name. I know that sounds really, really basic, but name that. Sounds like fun, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you call it Phil, you can call it Thomas, you can call it anguish, you can call it fear, you can call it whatever you want as long as you give it a name. They did a study out of UCLA They call it affect labeling and simply naming a feeling is a critical step towards emotional regulation and creating greater equanimity and calm. Okay. So number one, name it. And then number two, you want to, what I call you want to invite it rather than pushing it away. And this is where as a coach, I help them like, how much do you invite? Like you don't want to invite too much if you're not used to doing this, but just to say like, Hey, like, you know, Leaves in a breeze, like clouds in the sky. This emotion is here. Instead of pushing it away, like pull it up at a chair, sit at the table. You are with me. I see that you are here. And then here's what's really critical. Most people at this point say, okay, well, why is it here? Why am I feeling this emotion? And I tell them, why is not invited to this emotional regulation party we are having? Because... When you ask why, when you are trying to literally process feelings, tend to feelings, emotionally regulate, why just gets you right into the spiral of, well, she said this, and he didn't do this, and I totally blew it, or this isn't fair, gets you caught up in the story that gets you just going again. You don't want to do that. This is where the mindfulness piece comes in. When I feel this emotion, and this part, some people, they're like, oh, this makes so much sense, and they'll just go there. Other people are like, This makes no sense. So I work with people differently depending where they are on that that spectrum. They've named it. They've like acknowledged, recognized, invited it. Like it's here. I feel fear. I'm with it. And when I ask, instead of asking why are you feeling fearful as an example, I ask where do you feel fear in your body? Hmm. Just your human being. Where do you feel? Feel it right now. That's a part of the inviting and allowing. Don't ask me that question when I'm angry. <laughs> well, right. That's why we would do breathing. That's why we would do breathing. Because I'm not going to lead someone through this who's really amplified. That is not the time. That's you know, why. So, so, so you, all right. So, okay. I, I want to be conscious of, of uh, one thing here is that, well, what's going to happen is this for sure. I'm going to keep these to about 30 minutes because what we're going to end up doing is doing a lot of series. It's going to be my free coaching that I'm, since I'm not a client, I can't possibly pay or learn from it. So I'm just going to just ask you questions, see what happens. Just record the whole thing for other ones benefit. I may throw in a question or two that may be pertinent to me along the way, but 
let me ask him. So the, the emotional regulation is, is, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. Obviously, you don't get into the details of any one of these until you've identified it. Give me, a, you know, the 50,000 foot flyby on, if you're going to commit to this, here's kind of the phased approach we would look at to make sure that you're still the right fit for this type of coaching. Because, you know, no one wants to think, oh, I need nine months of this, or I need a week of this. They, you don't know what you don't know. But tell me maybe like high level of, here's what you would do. Was like kind of a, I don't know if you do it in phases, but maybe a discovery period. And then there's a reflect, like, tell me what the, what's the journey to start and at what point do I, do I become released from needing a coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it depends on the person. So it depends on where they are. So I just say you can plan on working with me between three to six months. My whole job as a coach is to coach myself out of a job. You should not, I want to give you the tools and support. You've got the commitment. I'm going to give you the tools. We're going to walk through it. And in the beginning, it might feel like this is super uncomfortable. This is so different. We're talking about neuroplasticity here. We're literally rewiring your brain for how you respond to stress so that you are far more resilient and you have coping skills. We're going to be practicing. And then eventually it becomes more of a habit. So what right now feels like I'm really unpacking and you do this and you do this and you do this, it becomes more automatic. So three to six months, depending on what's going on. Some people love it and they're like, I just like meeting with you and talking with you. Like, can we meet once a month? Like, it's a really great place to like, let me recalibrate. Let me think through these things. But some people are like, I'm just suffering. Let's get into it. Teach me the skills. And if I'm like, if you're ready to work hard, we can rewire your brain if you are committed and willing to. I'll tell you what, I, I, I see you, you know, and I get, you know, marketing aside of and market placement of where you should, you know, targeting coaches of executive level, you know, hopefully have a little money and they can spend it and they care about it. I would say a really interesting segment would, and especially nowadays, is the executives in their 50s who have kids who are just coming out of college or just starting a career. I think of the groups that could benefit the most from this, who, have, who, have, who are entering a whole different world of work, are the ones that should be on this list. Because I could not imagine if I had learned how to do some emotional equilibrium in my 20s. I, I know for a fact, I can think of a number of cases where I've just made shit decisions uh, because I, didn't, I wasn't thinking clearly yeah. even after reflecting and how to deal with it. And, and, and you know, as you talk, talked about, you run away from emotion, you, you compartmentalize, you use humor, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's almost a limiting, not almost, it is a limiting, it's a handicap for yourself that you're creating yeah. for no reason right. other than right. maybe nurture and a bit of nature, right? And so yeah. uh, it's, it can be unlearned and then recognized be because unlearned. it's stimulant as opposed to some right. pieces. But uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I don't know the space, I just know how I would have reacted if I had a different balance kids have helped me for this to see that sometimes I need to take a pause. Good God. I fail miserably most of the time. We, we, we all, I mean, that's a thing. <laughs> Grace and forgiveness and self-compassion. This is a practice. It's not perfection. Right. And, and, and so I, I would think, you know, if you know anybody for the 34 people it was 33 this morning for my last, my last uh, YouTube, but 34 mm-hmm. people who are going to watch this. I hope at least 34 mm-hmm. will come along and come reach out to you. Mm-hmm. I'd love to continue uh, this conversation with you. Uh, and, and maybe you'd be very pointed on a topic and, and I'll invite you, you to, if you'd want to do that, it's something that you feel incredibly passionate for and, and, and almost like the, the how to 
think about it. You know, it's a component of a bigger strategy and it, it doesn't matter if you gave away your whole program on video, it does no good because it would be generic because it only works if it's tailored to the person and someone could benefit from it who never signs up with you. I think that's still given the little I've met of you. I would, I would love that. I mean, if I could right. teach them a breathing technique and that made a difference and they're running with it, fantastic. If they yeah. want yeah. work and they really want transformation, right. then we can create a partnership and that, that could happen. Exactly. If people don't want to or can sign up, but they can still benefit, that, that's, that's fantastic. And if people don't know how to breathe, they're going to die pretty quickly anyway. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they'll just... Mm -hmm. You know, that's so funny that you say that because that would drive me crazy. Like wh when I say having the humility that you get it, like I have been someone who throughout my life has struggled with anxiety. Like I get it. And I finally was able to put together all of these pieces through just going through so many courses and so many trainings. And it's like, okay, this is how you do it. And I'm like, oh. but you know what I hated? when I felt really anxious and people would say, just breathe. I felt like punching them in the face. Like that is so unhealthy. Yeah, don't face, that hurts your hands. Go for the throat, maybe <laughs> so it's much softer. I found it so unhelpful though. So I'm actually, no, there's some real strategy and neurobiology. Let me tell you, not just to breathe, but how to breathe and so much about it is actually the exhale. It's the exhale, not just the, <gasps> I'm yeah. breathing. I think you should make some people that are clearly need to go get shape. Say, I want you to take a walk and talk to me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because anyway, um, yeah. I, I'll tell you what, uh, I, I, I want to know, you know, shameless plug time, right? Mm -hmm. How do they get, a, what's the best way to get a hold of you? If they want to at least have the initial discovery and conversation, you know, 30 minutes or so, or hour, I, I think that's usually what you, I think you recommended, but how do they get a hold yeah. of you? KristenTaylorConsulting.com. Kristen Taylor, and that's a K-R-I-S-T-I-N. K-R-I-S-T-I-N, KristenTaylorConsulting.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Kristen Taylor or Kristen Taylor Consulting. Yep. And I will, I'll post a link for us as well. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate the time. I feel better. I'm going to go scream at somebody for no reason just to see how it feels. <laughs> and then I'm going to start laughing, already. It's working laughing already, hysterically yeah. at something and just see what happens as well. Probably someone on a speakerphone will engage and just see what happens with that but thank you so much Kristen um, I appreciate it I, yeah. I think your method of coaching is actually has it has it would be effective I really do I, I think there's a number of them out there that they don't have enough life experience they, they don't have enough emotional uh, uh, baggage is the wrong word just emotional pain in their own life at some point to say I have a perspective and, and and though I respect a lot of the coaches that are out there trying to build a career and do things hard question on often how, how effective it would be uh, for mm -hmm. the people involved. And I, and I think starting with your inner kind of emotions is, is it's beyond just get past work. I mean, just dealing with everything better in your life from, from driving <laughs> to grocery shopping to kids to, to work. Uh, it's a fantastic place to start and, and it can only make you healthier from having just the, the less stress of knowing how to deal with all the crap that comes in. So thank you so much. I, I really do mean it. Um, yeah. taking the time today. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much. All right. Hey, thank you. Uh, take care and, and cheers and stay safe. All right. You as well.